Amen. Well, Deuteronomy 8.3 says, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I think if that text was ever proven true, those of you who did not eat today uh, did not live by bread alone. Uh, but we certainly are. Anybody fasted today? I just want to see a show of hands. Who, who was? Come on, man. Social media was shut down today. Amen. It is good to be here in our fourth Wednesday night prayer and Bible study. Let me. Somebody was on social media. That's why y'all laughing over there. <laughs> I, Ty had to create a folder for me and move all of my social media somewhere else because I forgot all my passwords. So I told her not to delete them. Um, it's good to be here. Fourth Wednesday night prayer and Bible study. I like to highlight prayer uh, and Bible study. Sometimes we think we're just coming to Bible study, uh, but we are we are coupling that with prayer. And so we like to spend a half an hour of our time praying. And I don't know if that's awkward for you. I don't know, you know, what you felt when you came in, if this is your first time at one of our Bible studies, prayer and Bible studies. Uh, we want to model what the rhythm of life should look like. Our life should be marked by consistent time of prayer. And if most of us are honest in this room, most of us, this is the first time all week we spent 30 minutes disconnected praying to the Lord. And, and my hope is that that models for us what life should look like. You know, we should be going through our days, I say this all the time, so this isn't new. We should go through our days with two types of prayers, those popcorn prayers that you pray, you know, right before something happens, you got to make a quick decision, you pray, but then also you should have consistent time with the Lord and a block of day. And if that means you got to put it on your calendar, you should put it on your calendar that this is the time that is dedicated to the Lord. And I don't know what your schedule will allow, but certainly uh, the Lord does call us to it. Colossians 4.2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer should always be praying. You should never get far away from a prayer. It should always be close to you. So welcome to our fourth Wednesday night prayer and Bible study. We, uh, we've been going through a bunch of different topics in our Bible studies, some of them more theological than others. Um, we talked about, uh, beginning of the year, we were talking about the Trinity. We tried to clearly say what the Bible says about the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We also talked about dualism. Does God and, and Satan have the same power? Do they have, are they equal in power? Is there a battle going on and the heavens are, are afraid right now? They're not. They'll crush Satan. And the fact that he's still alive is because God wants him to be alive. It's not because he has equal power. So we talked about dualism. Uh, and we got together a few months ago and we talked about Africa's contribution to Christianity. We said, if you take the continent of Africa out of the Bible, you've missed major themes in the Bible. You missed the Ethiopian eunuch. You missed Queen, uh, Queen of uh, Sheba. Uh, down to you, you start to tamper with the cross. Remember, Jesus is carrying the cross and they asked Simon of Cyrene. We located Cyrene in modern day Libya. So we said, man, you take out Africa. Jesus carrying the cross alone. So Africa is a major part of the scriptures. And so we talked a little bit about that. But tonight I'm excited. We get to talk about the topic I'm controlling. Right. We get to talk, talk about the topic of wisdom, how to gain biblical, uh, biblical wisdom. Uh, let me be honest in preparation for tonight. I did a lot of research just on how we make decisions and wanted to get uh, some thoughts from people that are smarter than me. And so uh, I looked up some information from a study that was done at Cornell University. And research at Cornell University showed how we make decisions and how many decisions we make. Did you know that the average adult makes somewhere around 35,000 decisions a day? 
Can you imagine that? I mean, from the time you wake up, you're making decisions to the time you go to bed. And here's the thing. Some of those decisions are small decisions. So what am I going to wear today? What am I going to eat today? That wasn't a decision for y'all because y'all are spiritual and y'all fasted today. But on a regular day, you would you would be asking that question to yourself. Uh, what train am I going to take? Uh, I don't know if y'all wrestle with this. Should I should I stay on the A? Should I get on the C? You know, which one coming for it? It ain't nothing like being on the local when you see that that uh, that that express come. And these are these are smaller decisions, but these are the decisions that you have to make every day. And then there's larger decisions that you have to make. Right. You have to make decisions on who am I going to marry? Should should I go for this promotion? Who who should I who should I date? These are these are larger decisions. And it's been my experience that most of us put most of our attention and prayer on the big decisions. And we don't really think about the small decisions. We just make them. But I want to I want to argue that most of us in this room, if not all of us in this room, you don't live in big decisions. You live in the small ones because the reality is you only get married once prayerfully. You, you, you're not, you know, you're only going to be going for that promotion once you only, you know, you know, these decisions that you need to make the big ones, they're very far few in between. That's not an everyday decision. You're not always thinking about a promotion, but you're always making decisions every day. And so it's the small ones that define your life. And those are the ones that go unnoticed. And I would argue that those are the ones that actually do shape your life more than the big decisions. So, for, for example, you know, you can make a decision to have bad eating habits every day, all day, every meal. And at some point that catches up with you. That has affected that small decision every single day has affected your life. And so my hope and my goal today is to challenge us in our thought of how we make decisions. Most of us make them impulsively. We, we have one option and that's the best option. And then we just make the decision. You know, we don't do as, as Jesus says, count the costs. We're not contemplative. We're not prayerful. We just make a quick decision or many of us uh, like to delegate the decision. I don't want to make it. I'm, this is this decision. The reason I don't want to make it is because I don't want the consequences and the responsibility if the decision goes wrong. So therefore you make the decision and we do that all the time. And, and then some of us just avoid or deflect. We don't make the decision at all. But I, I would argue that you not making this decision is actually you making the decision. You've just made the decision not to make the decision and it's dysfunctional. We have to make decisions all the time. And so I want to challenge us. Has anybody ever made a real bad decision? Oh, honest folk. I saw the video. So y'all swallowing screws, kissing walls. I saw the video already. So we, you know, all of us have that one decision that we wish we could push the undo button. If we're honest, we have that one decision that we wish we can hit backspace, backspace, backspace and delete that one decision. We all have had that decision. And here's my goal tonight. My, my goal, my goal is to press us to make wiser, biblically informed decisions. Most of us don't think about, OK, what does God have to say about the decision that I need to make? And so that, that's my goal. That's my hope is to really press into us today. So we'll be in scripture there's some practical, there's some, some Bible that I want to bring it together and see what we can come up with. My boy, Emmanuel Acho is here. Wave your hand, brother. Woo! It's my dude. Man, y'all check him out. He's on ESPN. Get up in the morning. So y'all check him out at eight o'clock in the morning. All right, let's get on it. Here's some questions I have for you just to kind of fill out the room, see where y'all are at. 
Who is the wisest person you know, and what is the characteristics that make them wise? We don't have a lot of time, so I need y'all to really just start jumping in. Who's the wisest person you know, and don't everybody say me at once. <laughs> Who's the wisest person you know, and what is the characteristics that make them wise? Ra raise your hand, raise your hand so I can, so I can call you out. Yes, ma'am. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up. Okay. 70s. Her book collection. That's good. That's good. Somebody else, Ayana. She's learned from her mistakes. We're going to talk about that. Yes. Mm. That's good. Let's do one more. I know we can keep going around the room. Let's do one more. Adia, if you can use your outside voice, if you will. Okay. <laughs> I'll translate. Go ahead. Hmm. so spiritual <laughs> I love it that's the answer you give I'm sorry I cut you off go ahead go ahead Adia all right <laughs> she said Jesus is the wisest person I don't think any of us would argue with that um he, he, here's my here's my here's what I heard in fact let me let me hold off on what I heard because a lot of what you all said all of that is being addressed from grandmother to mother to how old did you say 97 97. So it's a lot of age, saged wisdom, uh, which we'll be talking about. Uh, and those characteristics that, that you guys said, you said books, you said learning from mistakes, Ayana. What, what did you say were the characteristics that makes experience? And Jesus is just all of that. <laughs> all right, do me a favor. Well, hold on. This is my agenda. This is where we're going tonight. Wisdom is based, is best seen by obedience to the word of God. If you're writing notes, this is a good time to do it. This is where we're going. Number one, wisdom is best seen by obedience to the word of God. Some wisdom will only be learned through mistakes. Wisdom is given by God and must be prayed for. And then finally, wisdom is gained through godly counsel. These are the four areas. This is the best I got. This is where we're going tonight. Uh, do me a favor. We'll, we'll circle back at them in a second. Do me a favor. Grab your Bible. Let's deal with the first one. Wisdom is best seen by obedience to the word of God. Grab your Bibles and meet me in Matthew 7. So Matthew 7 is an is a interesting parable, uh, verses 24 to 27. This is not a parable that is uh, as beloved as the prodigal son or as well known uh, as the lost sheep or the good Samaritan. There, there are some there are some some parables that just everyone knows. But this is one of those parables that, you know, most of us know, but really haven't dug into. Uh, but this is a this is a powerful parable that Jesus tells. And Matthew seven is a powerful parable simply because of the location uh, that it's that that it's placed in the scriptures. I've preached this passage before about the two builders. So the reason it's important is because it's placed at the end of Matthew 
7. Matthew 7 is 29 verses long. This is verses 24 to 27. So it's at the end. Now, what's so interesting about this parable is that Jesus gives it after he preached his longest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. There, there is no longer sermon that Jesus preached that's recorded in Scripture. Maybe he preached more that wasn't recorded. But what we have in Scripture, uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount is the longest one. It spans three chapters long. He starts the sermon in Matthew chapter five. He goes through it in Matthew chapter six. He goes through it in Matthew chapter seven. And let me lay a little foundation in it. He's talking about uh, how, how we're salt and light. He's talking about how he fulfills the law. See, he's talking about anger. He's talking about lust. Jesus is talking about divorce. He's talking about oaths, not making an oath that you're not going to keep loving your enemies. He talks about retaliation. You know how we just want to get everybody back. Uh, he talks about that. He talks about giving to the needy. Did you know the Lord's Prayer is, is smack dead in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount? Uh, he talks about laying up treasure in heaven. He talks about anxiety. He talks about fasting judging others he goes through all of these different topics which is which is kind of dope like he, he doesn't you know how we do we have a simple focus every time we come together jesus is like i got a lot to say so pull out the pins at jesus baptist church and we just gonna run through a bunch of different topics and so he goes through all the topics and then at the end of his sermon right when most baptist preachers would hoop jesus gives a parable and the parable almost seems anticlimactic to the rest of the sermon, because in the parable, he gives us what wisdom is and what foolishness is. In the parable, he talks about two builders. One of the builders Jesus deems as a wise builder. That's what we're seeking tonight. Wisdom. The other builder is a foolish builder. And why Jesus calls him foolish is for lack of obedience. Look at the, the text with me. It says, verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine here, watch this and does them. So that's obedience will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Verse 26, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not do them. That's disobedience will be like a foolish man that built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall. What Jesus shows us in this parable is he says, I don't preach three chapters long. Now, some of you are going to be wise and walk out of here and do everything that I just said. And then there's another group of you that are going to be fools. And the reason you're a fool is because you're not obedient to my words. It is very clear. It's not. See, there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. There's a difference. Knowledge is getting information. Here's what I know. Both of these men got the information like the, the fool. The fool didn't check out in chapter six. He sat through all of Jesus sermon. He listened to everything Jesus said. But what made him a fool was not that he obtained the information, but it was that he didn't do anything with the information. And so what we do is we look at people and we say, that's wisdom, but it's not really wisdom. They just got a bunch of book smarts. You ever meet anybody that was like a genius, but had no common sense? Yes. <laughs> you, you ever meet anybody that was like real smart, but then you ask them like the simplest question. You're like, dang, they elevated just don't go all the way up. <laughs> that's because they probably lacked wisdom. They might have had knowledge. I know people that have PhDs and just are the simplest people. You'd be like, how do you not know that? 
And so what Jesus does is he takes off the table of you saying that you are wise because you know a lot. I don't care how many degrees you got. Let me go spiritual. I don't know how many scriptures. I don't care how many scriptures you quote. I don't. What Jesus is showing me here is you're a fool if you can quote it and not live it. But you're wise. Wisdom. Wisdom is always based on obedience to Jesus words. And Jesus doesn't just say it here in this parable. Remember Matthew 28 at the Great Commission. Jesus last words to his church. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples. And then he says, baptizing them. And then he at the end of it, he says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. In other words, Jesus is like, I ain't just out here teaching just to teach. I'm teaching for obedience. I'm teaching so that you can observe. And here's my fear is that many of you come every Sunday, you serve and you're getting the word, you're getting the information, you're getting accountability, but you're walking out in isolation and you're not applying what it is. Jesus says, Jesus says you're a fool. You're, you're a fool if your notebook is filled with, with scriptures and notes, but you're not applying any of it. James picks this up as well in James chapter one. I forget the verse where he says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, lest we deceive ourselves. Many of us are good at hearing. Now, don't don't hear me talk bad at hearing. Hearing the word is a, is a, is actually a spiritual discipline. You reading the word is one thing, but you actually coming together with the saints to hear the word. Praise God. But that and that alone does not make you wise. What makes you wise is somebody that's obeying what the word says. And so these two builders are here in Matthew chapter seven. One of them is wise because he does what Jesus says. The other one's not wise because he hears it, but he doesn't do he, he doesn't do the work. And, you know, my fear is that this I've applied this verse to all of the relationships in my life because I, I want to be around. You know, you start to become a product of who you're around and I want to be around people that really walk in wisdom. But here's the thing. Both of the you could be in either one of these houses and not know that you were in the fool's house. Because you can't see the foundation because that, that's what makes them foolish. Right. One builds on the rock, which is Jesus words. One builds on sand, which is anything other than Jesus words. On a sunny day, you could be in a fool's house and not know it's a fool. The only thing that exposed folly from wisdom was a storm. The Bible says the rain came, the floods came, the wind blew and beat on that house. And that exposed. See, this is why we move too quickly in relationships. You got to let the storm hit just a little bit. You got to have an argument. Y'all got to cuss each other out and see if it still stands. Because the, the house, the house that falls it's probably one that's built on folly. And, and some, some of you, some of you are dating that you're in that house right now of a fool. And here's the thing. Both men appeared wise. They both appear wise. Neither one of them looks foolish. We don't know the, the material used. We don't know if, it, if the house could have been identical, could have had the same amount of windows, same amount of doors, same square footage, same floors. You did not know the only thing that exposed it was the storm. So wisdom says, slow down, check your relationships. Check the foundation, let the storm hit, and then we can see what's really standing. And whatever's standing around you might be wisdom. And so Jesus says, here's wisdom, obedience. Do, do what I say, not just in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, but everything, more broadly, everything scripture says, apply it. And here's what I know. you It's easy to be obedient to the scriptures you like. 
can y'all be honest in here? It's real difficult to be obedient to the scriptures. You're like, Jesus, why you put that in there, though? Y'all ever read something and you was like, I don't agree with that. But, but maturing believers, maturing believers that, that don't feel like they've arrived, maturing believers know how to grow into applying scriptures that you don't necessarily agree with. You know the scripture that says, love your, your neighbor as you love yourself? That's so hard to apply for me because I love me. <laughs> Y'all don't love you? you? You love yourself. And so the scripture says, love your neighbor like you love you. That's hard to apply. And I'm often like, Jesus, you know that's impossible. Why did you put, well, God, why did you put that in there? But that's how you know you're growing is not just obedience to um, the scriptures you like, but the ones that you don't like. So we need some practical. How, how practically does this look? What does obedience, how can I be obedient practically to the word of God? Here, here's some, some ways uh, that at least I try to live up to. Number one, daily reading your Bibles. You cannot be obedient to something you don't read. Amen. You can't. And, and don't, don't give me that I memorized four or five verses and those, that's what I'm obedient to. You know there's 66 books here written over 40 different, from 40 different authors. It's a lot in there that you have to apply. So you have to have daily, a daily reading regimen. You know that feeling if you left your phone home? You'd be like, oh my gosh, my phone is home. You either would run back or you would feel uneasy all day. Why do we go through our day without reading the word but we feel nothing? We don't feel convicted by it. And so it has to be daily reading. And, you know, some of you that can be morning time. Some of you that can be middle of the day or at night or maybe it's sprinkled out throughout the day. You have access to your device that probably has you version on it or some Bible app. Spend some time reading your word. And let me just say, you know, I don't know how you guys do, but I get lost if I read. I can't comprehend and meditate well if I read too many passages. I mean, I don't know how you do. I got to read a little bit and chew on it and meditate on it. I know some of y'all can knock out a chapter, two chapters, three chapters a day. And that's that's cool. You're getting a lot in. But my my question is, is there retention for application? So daily reading your Bibles. Fall deeper in love with the word of God. I'm telling you, you will start to be more obedient, especially to the passages you don't like if you love the word. There, there are some things that Ty tells me to do that the other day we, I was about to go upstairs and she said, clean off the counter. And I'm like, woman, you clean off the counter. I said that in my head. That didn't come out of my mouth. I, I'm, I'm, I try to walk in wisdom at home, too. And so she she said, clean off the counter. I didn't feel like it, but I was obedient. I was obedient because I, I love her, not because she's strict with with the rules in the house, but because I love her. She is strict with the rules in the house. But if you love the word, see, there, there's a passage in Psalm 19. I think it's I think it's uh, verse 98. Psalm, ni- Psalm 119, verse 98, where it says the psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. Not that I know how I memorized it or how I quoted it. He goes to affections. I just love it. Like, does anybody love the word? Like even when it's cutting you, even when it's getting you. So falling more in love with the word of God will be will be a will be helpful for you in terms of obedience to the word of God. Like if the word said to me, you have to walk on your hands to get into heaven. I'm, I'm getting classes on learning how to walk on my hands. I'm getting gloves like I'm doing the whole thing because I want to be obedient to the word. And that's where we got to get. Because if you are if you are in love with the word of God and obedient to the word of God, you'll obey it no matter what it says. No matter, no matter if you disagree with it, 
All right, so fall deeper in love with the word. Asking the question, how can I apply this? Most of us read the text and never say, how can I apply this? That's just a simple question. Every time you read the word, ask yourself, how can I apply this? What are the areas of my life that I'm inconsistent? What is the gap between what the word says and what I do? And that gap I want to apply. How can I apply this? Realize that God's word is smarter than you. This is for those those texts that you don't agree with. You, you do know like God got a little bit of wisdom that he threw into the passage that he threw into through the scriptures. And so therefore realizing that the word of God has stood the test of times. You just got here. Like, like, understand, sit in that for a second. There's a scripture that says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will last forever. The word of God has transcended decades, centuries, ethnic makeups, socioeconomic makeups, different continents. The word of God has stood the test of time. God is wise. Like to get 40 different authors to write about one person is crazy to me. That's how wise the scriptures are that all of them in concert point me to Jesus. So the Bible is smarter than you recognize that, know that. And the reason I have to put this in here, I know you're like, all right, move on. The reason I have to put that in here is because we won't say that out of our mouth. But most of us live as though we're smarter than the word. Most, most of us look at the word and be like, that's so old. God didn't, you know, that was for another time. No, it's for you. It's it's for this time. And if we start doing that, we really can start doing that with a lot of different scriptures. If you start looking and saying that's old, I can say the scripture in Ephesians 5 that says husbands love your wives. I can say that's old. I ain't got to do that no more. But all scripture is God is very wise. So realize that God is uh, certainly smarter than you. All right. Invite others to hold you accountable for obedience to the word of God. We don't like that. You need to you need to have somebody in your life that you are honest with, that you are telling them where you struggle and where you struggle applying so that they can help to make sure that you are applying. Somebody has to know the areas of wrestle in your life. So invite you and and they really need an invitation into your life. They need that because some people don't know. They don't want to hurt your feelings. They don't want to offend you. So you need to give an invitation to them and say, listen, I need you in my life to challenge me here, here and here. And don't get offended when they do. Right. Yeah, you invite them and then they do. It and you be like, oh, man, they hit them again. You know, we go to the people that agree with us. But go to somebody that, you know, will light you up when you're wrong. Go to somebody that, you know, will not will not allow the inconsistencies between the word and your life to linger. You go to somebody that says, I'm going to help you bridge that gap. And I'm going to do I'm going to invite you to do the same thing. So invite others to hold you accountable for obedience in God's word. All right, let's move on. Here's uh, point number two. Some wisdom will only be learned through mistakes. Um, you will not get a magic pill tonight that you walk out of here and you're the wisest person in the world. You're going to walk out of here and you're still going to make bad decisions. You are. You're going to walk out of here. You're going to make you're going to make wrong decisions. But I want to show us tonight that bad decisions and mistakes are actually opportunities to grow in wisdom. All when I pointed out, uh, besides the idea giving us uh, Christ, when I pointed out everybody else, everyone else said somebody older. Did you notice that? When I say, who's the wisest person, you know, they say 67, 97, like older people have a uh, walk in a certain uh, level of wisdom. Not all older people, but but for the most part, 
But for the most part, as years get added to your life, you start to grow in wisdom. And that's actually very, very biblical. And so you, you need to learn from your mistakes. Oh, this is a picture. I just want to show this real quick. This is a picture of when I got ordained. That's my pastor, Dr. Eric Mason's uh, fat fingers on my head. <laughs> Don't y'all tell him I said that. Pastor Tommy Forrester was in that room. Pastor Curtis Dunlap, Pastor Nyren Burke, Pastor Larry Smith. And these men set me down and had a long ordination where it was grueling like they just hammered away at me on many different topics uh, practical and theological and at the end of it they let me ask questions so one of the questions I said I asked them was um, when I hit the ground how can I be a like what makes what would make me a good pastor from the beginning what what like what could I do and Dr. Mason spoke up and said you got to preach you got to start out preaching good sermons I said, OK, how do I learn to preach good sermons? He said, by preaching bad ones. And that sat with me. The reason that sat with me is because really what he was saying was you learn to get better and better and wiser and wiser by looking back at the mistake. Only a fool would repeat the same mistakes and not learn from them. Wisdom is I fell. Now, let me get up and not do that again. That's wisdom. And so you have to wise people learn from their mistakes. It's just that simple. Look at this quote. This is Thomas Edison. He said, as an inventor, Thomas Edison made a thousand unsuccessful attempts at, in at inventing the light bulb. When a reporter asked him, how did you how did you feel to fail a thousand times? Edison replied, I didn't fail a thousand times. I just found a thousand ways that it wouldn't work. Like that's learning each time you're learning what not to do. And on only a fool would look at the mistakes and say, I'm going to give up. I, I can't, I can't learn. No, you can just keep, keep going, keep getting back up. Man, I didn't know this was Julius Caesar's quote. Experience is the best teacher. Anybody ever heard that before? Julius Caesar is noted as the first person that, uh, that said that experience is the best teacher. And I, I agree with that. I hate when I see people go through different experiences and learn nothing from them. And again, that's folly. That's, that's not wisdom. One learns more from experience than books. That, uh, that uh, quote was unknown. And the fastest way to succeed is double your failure rate. See, we don't like failure. We don't like mistakes. We, we beat ourselves up. We get down. But I'm, I'm praying that you would consider your mistakes as an opportunity to learn, to grow, and to get wise. Okay, that's quotes. Let's get into some scripture. Here's what the Bible says. Job chapter 12, verse 12 says, is not wisdom found amongst the aged and does uh, does not life a uh, long life bring understanding? Job understood that the longer I live, the more I should be growing in wisdom. The Bible has a lot to say about gray hair. And every time it talks about gray hair, it talks about it in wisdom. Not that everybody that has gray hair is wise. But the Bible has an assumption that the longer you live, the more you learn from your mistakes and therefore you start to walk in more wisdom. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16 says, for the righteous fall seven times and rises again. It's learning from your mistakes. Job 12, 20 says, he silences the lips of trusted advisors and takes away the discernment of the elders. Job understood that Elders, elderly people have a little bit more insight, wisdom and discernment. Job 32, verse seven, age should speak, advanced years should teach wisdom. 
Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Notice, as you number your days, as you add to years of life, you start to add, you should be adding towards wisdom. Last one, Proverbs 20, verse 29. Young people take pride in their strength, but the gray hairs of wisdom are even more beautiful. See, you think you cute. <laughs> but if I read Proverbs right, it says, know that, that the wise person that's walking in wisdom, that's growing in from their mistakes, that person it actually just said is even more beautiful. Are we good? All right. All right, how do I gain wisdom from my past mistakes? Here's a couple of things I jotted down. Acknowledge your error. Blaming other people or minimizing your responsibility does not help you learn. You when you make a mistake, you have to say, I messed up. See, we can't ever learn from our mistakes because we're too busy blame shifting others for our own mistakes. And it's foolishness. It's, you'll never get to a place of learning from your mistake if you won't even admit that it was a mistake on your part. So wisdom says, I'm going to learn from it. So how do I learn from it? I have to acknowledge that I was wrong. And if you were wrong against somebody else, what wisdom, go to them and say, I was wrong. If you have children, go to your children and say, ah, that was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have did that. Because what they'll do is they'll grow up thinking that, that you were always right and you're not unless you're Jesus. If you're not Jesus, there's there's dysfunction in how you parent as well. If you're married, when you mess up, go to your spouse and say, I messed up. I wasn't right. And don't try to control that person's response. Repentance is never controlling the response. It's just saying I messed up. So I'm sorry. All right, so acknowledge your error. Make a plan to never do it again. Beating yourself up for mistakes won't help you learn. It's important to spend the bulk of your time thinking about how to do better in the future. And so th this, is, this is more strategy than anything. You, you mess up, you own up to it. You go to somebody else, if you messed up against them, you own up to your error, but then you make a plan to not do it again. The reason people fall in mistake after mistake after mistake in terms of the same mistake is because they've never made a plan to say, this is how I'm not going to do that again. And set up accountability and fences around you so that you'll never fall in that area again. Again, the goal is not for you to walk out of here and never mess up. The goal is for you to mess up, learn from it, never do it again. That's wisdom. All right, ask others what you could have done better. Receiving critical feedback is important to overcoming mistakes. We classify people as hating too much. We do. We, we put too many people in the bucket of they just hating on me. Now they're probably telling you the truth. You just don't like it. You don't like that. They're they're criticizing you. But but most people that grow, I don't care how old you are. I, I don't care how long you've been doing it. I don't care how good you are at doing it. Everybody learns from critical feedback. I mean, you look at some of the greatest sports uh, you, you look at LeBron James or, or uh, uh, Michael Jordan back in the day. I mean, I would argue Michael Jordan's the better, but, you know, we can we can argue that all day. Even Michael Jordan had a Phil Jackson, somebody to criticize and say, do this better. Even even Steph Curry got a Steve Kerr. Everybody has to have somebody that is pouring into them, but doing it, not just saying you're doing a great job. Get back out there. No, somebody said that was whack. Why did you do that? You need somebody that's going to criticize you and you not get offended. And they don't care that you are if you do get offended. 
That's what you need. You need somebody that really is critical, but not always, not overly critical, not critical to where it leads you to despair, but somebody that balances out a good, as Charles Spurgeon would say, next to the rod, put an apple. In other words, after I, after I correct you, let me give you something to, something to, to chew on as well. And so criticism always is better, by the way, through relationship. You can't criticize me and I don't know you. I don't, I don't receive it the same way. And so criticism is better when we've lived life a little bit. We've enjoyed each other. And so when I do criticize you, criticize you, you know I love you because that's all criticism is, is they want you to do better. All right. So um, ask others what you could have done better. Receive the, the critical feedback that they give you. All right. Wisdom. Fourth, uh, third point. What time is this, somebody? All right. Uh, wisdom is given by God and must be prayed for. Two things is very important in there. Wisdom is given by God, which means you don't get wise by reading self-help books. The, I mean, you, you, that's not that's not getting wise. Wisdom is clearly given by God and he gives it generously. How do I know he gives it generously? Because James 1 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives it generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Did you notice that God like if you are in the midst of a situation that you can't figure out what you need to do is stop trying to do the strategic planning and saying, God, I need wisdom because I know you can drop me a little bit. He don't got to give you just drop you a little bit from heaven and I'll be able to figure this thing out. And that should be daily prayers. James 1 5 has to be memorized. It, like James 1 5 has to be a part of your life. You have to always be saying, God, if I lack wisdom, you said I can ask you. Not only that, but you said that you would give it to me generously. Just quote back to him what he already said. So quote this one back to him. So you have to ask God for wisdom and it comes straight from God. Colossians 1 9. This is uh, Paul's prayer for the Colossian church. He says, and so from that day we heard we have not uh, ceased to pray for you. Asking that you will be filled with knowledge. Now, knowledge is not wisdom. Now, watch what he says. Knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul simply prayed that the Colossian church would receive wisdom. Because Paul understood that wisdom isn't just coming from a sermon. Wisdom isn't just coming from a letter that I'm going to send you. Wisdom actually has to be prayed for and given by God. Does anybody know the wisest man in scripture besides Christ, Solomon. How do you think Solomon got his wisdom? Do me a favor, real quick. Turn to uh, first, Kings, uh, first Kings 3. I'm going to have you all out of here before 9, I promise. Can, can I see my phone, babe? Are you all there, First Kings 3? Watch what... Watch what um, Watch what Solomon does here. Okay, so David has just died. Solomon's father. He just he just has died, and and, uh, and and Solomon has taken over the throne. But Solomon is immature because he's still a boy. And look at what it says here in verse five. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, "Ask what I shall give you." Can we stop there for a second? Can you imagine God coming to you in a vision with a blank check and say, ask me whatever you want? Can you imagine the stupid stuff we would ask for? We'd ask for cars and 
homes, we'd ask for our relationships, we'd ask for money, some of y'all would ask for fame, we'd ask for all of this crazy stuff, but Solomon, in his wisdom, watch what he says, a boy, the Bible says, and Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in, and in uprightness of the heart toward you, and you have kept and you have kept him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on the throne this day. And now, O oh Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although here it is, I am but a little child. So David understood that he's still immature. He, he's at the age where his brain is still under, undeveloped. But then he goes on and he says, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people. Too many to be numbered and counted for the multitude. Here's his request. God said, ask me whatever you want. Some translations literally says, ask me for whatever you want. And here's his request. Give your servant, therefore, understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. We just all said that Solomon outside of Christ, Solomon is the wisest person in scripture. His wisdom went around the world and it all started because he asked for wisdom so much so that even Jesus quotes about Solomon. He said that the, the fame of Solomon went around the world and people came from the ends of the earth. But then Jesus, though, he's like, but behold, something greater than Solomon is here speaking of his own wisdom, showing he is wisdom. He's not just wise. He is wisdom. But Solomon understood to get wisdom had to be prayed for. He had to ask God for it. And God didn't just give it to him generously. God gave it to him quickly. Because if you look at the rest of the chapter, I don't have time to go through it. But if you look at the rest of the chapter, it's the story where Solomon is is uh, is is judging between two prostitutes. Bible says two prostitutes both have babies. One of them in the middle of the night, lays on her child and suffocates her child. She then goes to the other one in the middle of the night and steals her child. And the woman know that she's stolen. So they both come before Solomon and Solomon's here in the case. And Solomon says, OK, this is what we're going to do. Go get a sword, cut the baby in half. And the true mother's going to show her colors. So one, the, the mother that stole the baby, she, she was like, yeah, cut him in half. I'll take half. She take half. And then the mother, the one that was the true mother was like, no, give her the baby. Don't put him to death. And Solomon in his wisdom said, she's the mother. See, he didn't have to wait long to get the wisdom. He got it by the end of the chapter. In fact, if you go to the next chapter, chapter four, verse 29 says, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breath of mind like the sand of the seashores. So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east uh, of the east and all the people and all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Solomon's wisdom was was you've never seen wisdom like this. He knew how to build the temple. David didn't build it. He knew how to do that. His wisdom was so it was so vast that the queen of Sheba comes all the way from Ethiopia just to hear about him and take her hard questions to him. And when she gets there, she is overwhelmed. She was like, your servants are well dressed and the house is so well built. And you answered all my questions. This is what she says. Read chapter 10 later on. You've answered all my questions. And she goes through this whole thing. And she says, what I've heard about you, you surpassed it. She goes on to say the half has not been told about you. 
Your wisdom is great. And he only got that wisdom that could be affirmed by a queen of, of Ethiopia simply based on the fact that he asked God for wisdom. And so he, here's what I'm praying that you would do, that you would constantly be asking God, give me wisdom. Not just situational wisdom, but life wisdom. Father, this relationship is driving me crazy. Lord, I need wisdom. Should I move forward? This relationship, this friendship. It's driving me crazy. Should I move forward? See, we cut people off too quick, by the way. You know, we always cutting somebody off. But what about like endurance and sustainability? Like some people actually are sharp. Are they really toxic or are they just annoying you? You need to pray that. You need to say, God, give me wisdom. Are they toxic, Lord? Or do I actually need a little bit of them in my life? You need to be praying that type of, uh, that type of prayer. And so wisdom comes from God, but it's given to you by asking God for it. So I would just challenge you every day, not just this week, every day, ask God, God, give me wisdom, not just on this situation, but just give me wisdom when I, when I don't know I need it. Give me wisdom then. Let, let it just drop in from heaven. All right. Last point. Wisdom is gained through godly counsel. Can someone grab these uh, four scriptures for me? Anybody? Can, can you just raise your hand if you're going to grab it? Carlos, I see that hand. Thank you. Rob, I see that hand. Who else? Who else? Chris, I see that here. Thank you. Ayana, I see that here. All right. If you could do this in order from that I called you. So Carlos, if you can get the first one. Rob, you get the second one. Chris, you get the third one. And Ayana, you got the fourth one. So again, we're, we're, we're talking about how wisdom is gained through godly counsel. The counsel of others. All right. Proverbs eleven fourteen. Where there is no guidance and people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. In an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Now, I would caution you, define abundance. Because too many, you'll lose yourself. Too many, you'll lose your own vision. But the scripture does say that there has to be an abundance of counselors. Many of us are making decisions and we do it isolated and you're doing it without the counsel of others and you need other people to weigh in. All right. Proverbs 15, 22 says something similar. Rob. With many advisors, they succeed. Again, define many. I wish the scripture said with three or with two. Like, I wish it gave me a number because then I'd be like, I met my quota. But it doesn't. It says with many, it, it leaves the discretion up to you. The point is, there's more than one. There's a few people. All right, Proverbs 24, uh, verse 6. For by wise guidance, you can wage your war. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Same uh, same flow. First Corinthians 15 to uh, 33. Did you hear that verse? Bad company corrupts good morals. Like we you cannot consider yourself wise if you're all around you is foolishness. You, you just can't because bad company corrupts good morals. In fact, Proverbs 13, 20 says something similar. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise and the companion of fools will suffer harm. You want to walk in wisdom. You have to walk with wise people. And it's OK. Some people, you're just going to have to hurt their feelings and be like, you know what? I got you. Don't call them a fool, but just be like, I, I got to move on. I got to move on from this relationship. And it's OK. Just because you grew up with them doesn't mean that you have to always walk with them. Because as you grow in wisdom, you have to grow with the company around you. And I would say you have to have a diverse group. 
You have to have a diverse group of counselors. You have to have a hodgepodge full of uh, full of people that are wise in different areas. So if you want to you know, grow as a wife, you need to get around what you see as wise wives. If you, if you want to grow in, in, in that business and you have to get around people that have done businesses successful, you can learn from people that failed in business as well. So wisdom isn't just you're killing it in life. No, you've learned from the mistakes and you can apply. You can help me apply. And so get around wise people. The foolish people ask that God would expose them to you. Friends influence both positively and negatively. I just put that in there because I really do believe that we don't. I don't think we understand how much friends do influence us. Like you have to have a, a big list of people I know and a small list of friends because the friends are the ones that are going to direct which which they, they're the ones you're going to go to and say, what do you think about this decision? Not just people I know, but the friends are the ones that's going to influence you. And so friends influence positively and negatively, according to Proverbs 13, 20 time is it. All right. Uh, I saw this on the Huffington, Huffington Post about friends and friendships and counselors and people around you. And I thought it was interesting. Can I get somebody to read uh, this next part? I'm not going to put it up because I'm all right. If it was short, somebody would be like me. But if it was long, they'd be like, not me. All right. You got it, London. It's long. <laughs> got him. <laughs> Go ahead, London. you hear that that's so important like you know what we do we usually pick friendships especially relationships based on common dysfunction we're like you you ain't got no father i ain't got no father let's hook up nah maybe not like we we usually pick our friendships based on all of the dysfunction in our life and we'd be like dad me too and we think that that's who we should connect with but I love this. I love this. This Huffington Post uh, uh, a study because it's saying, "Listen, if you lack self control, get around people that are disciplined. That's wise. That's learning from somebody else that is farther ahead, further ahead than you are in that area." Can I get somebody else to read this next part? Because we gotta get moving. You got it? No, no, no. That. <laughs> she won't reread. All right, go ahead. Isn't that crazy? People who take risk are the people who are financially are the people who are isolated because they I think it's because they don't have people around them saying that's not wise. You want to know why you spent all that money on the Balenciagas? You spent it on the Balenciagas because you might have been like, ah, I ain't got nobody to tell me that's not wise. Got nobody to tell me to invest that. I ain't got nobody to tell me to save that. And so 
I love this idea that the fewer friends you have, the more likely it is that you might not do well with your finances. Now, this is not across the board. This is what the study shows. I got one more. Who can read it? You got it for me? Thank you. Come on. Hold on. Can you read that a little bit with a little umph? One more. Is this not true? I think we can say amen right there. This is so this is so true. Many of us live for the gram. And and because because of that, it's 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 really affecting like it's affecting your wisdom. It's affecting how you walk because when you're off the gram and there's no filter and you know, you're not doing duck lips and it's just you actually have to live life like how are you, how are you doing so? So I, I think the Huffington Post is onto something. Again, this is an older research. I think this was 2013 as well. All right. So again, wisdom is best seen by obedience to the word of God. So we saw that in Matthew chapter seven, two builders, one wise is one fool. The fool is because he didn't obey. Some wisdom will only be learned through mistakes. We saw that with the aged as they as they as they made mistakes. Seven times I fall, but I get back up. Wisdom is learning from those mistakes. Wisdom is given by God and must be prayed for. I think Solomon was our case study for that. He prayed for wisdom and became the wisest, the wisest person outside of Jesus. And number four, wisdom is gained through godly counsel. Get you a plethora of counselors around you that can really challenge you and critique you on whatever it is in life. All right. I have a couple questions for you and then we'll let you guys let you guys roll out in 12 minutes. All right. Questions. Do you struggle with applying the word? Why? This is going back to point one. Do you struggle with applying scripture, with applying the word? And why do you struggle? Anybody that can be honest. Yes. She wasn't spending enough time in it, so therefore she didn't know how to be obedient. That's good. If you guys are talking, if you could like yell out for us because the fans are on. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's good. You know what that is? That that comes with time and maturity. That comes with applying the wrong scripture and be like, ah, that didn't work. Like that just could you got to live through a little bit of that. So be gracious to yourself. Be patient. Who else? Candice. It's good. It's good. Uh, Aiden. I'd say I was afraid. I'd be afraid of real world If you apply it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Let's do two more and then I'm going to move on to the next question. Yes, ma'am. 
Distraction and inconsistency. I would say really quickly that I think most of us struggle, and I say us, with consistency and applying the word. And I, I, would, I think that it's because in our times when we read it, we're always expecting an extremely climactic moment. Like you like, God, the heavens is about to open up. <laughs> and you be like, that's it? You ever had that moment? And I think, I think enough of those just mundane times where you're just in the word and it's just like, you know, it's just, just a normal time. Enough of those cause you to just fall off and be like, I'm tired. I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to apply it no more. You know what I'm saying? So let me just say this and then Carlos can go. Last thing I'll say about this. Be careful with those trying to always look for climactic moments because you never know when it's those mundane moments where it seems like you ain't getting nothing from the scripture that later on you be like, oh, let me pull that thing back out that was born later. Like it's, it's almost like stockpiling your weapons. You're just storing up, you're storing up, you're storing up because you never know when you're going to need it. And you might, it might be anticlimactic in that moment because you don't need it right then. But next month you might. So just work through that. Lack of meditation and scripture memorization, where it's just like you're not, you don't got it right there to come out the head with it. For me, that's why it's been a struggle at times to be able to apply the word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, meditation and scripture memorization. Let me let me just point out how important scripture memorization is. Like you can't, you don't always, especially even in a conversation with somebody, you're talking to somebody, and you're trying to remember that scripture. You you know you you can't memorize that scripture. It's really important that we discipline ourselves to memorize. Like every week, force yourself to memorize a scripture. James one five is is yours for the week. That, that one, if anywhere you lack wisdom, ask God, he gives it generously. Like, that's one that you should remember. But often do that. Don't ever allow scripture to just be something that's on the pages or on your phone. You ain't always got access to your Bible. You don't always have access to your phone. And so sometimes you got to be able to not be a walking Bible that you know everything. That, that would be nice. But there should be enough word in you that you memorize certain parts of it. I see those hands, but I got to move to the next question, all right? Because I don't have a lot of time. I'll call you first if you raise your hand, Brittany. Can you name a time you learned from your mistake? And I really want to hear what the mistake was if, if you're bold enough. A time that you made a mistake and you learned from it, what was the outcome of that? <laughs> Brittany.
Oh, we believe it. I can see it. I, I, I seen you in the gym. I believe it. Thank you. Uh, yes. Good. Let's do one more. Let me start to call on some people that didn't go. Uh, okay, two. Nina, Shonda, can I ask you guys to keep it quick? Because I'm going to get you out. All right, Nina. Marsha, you're next. <laughs> Go ahead, Nina. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Okay, so, you know, I love hard. And, uh, you know, and I was saved too, man. I was, you know, first boyfriend in college. Um, but yeah, he was just in need, huh? I was I was saved. Yeah, I didn't ask for counsel. Just like, oh, I love you. Hey, I can like, oh yeah, you need help. Get, you know, I don't know how I'm gonna pay for the next semester. And he's a good dude too. It wasn't like he forced it. And I was just like, yo, let me help you out. Yeah, I can just I'll just take out the loan for you. And so fast forward to 2019, I have one more student loan left, and it's for like $9,500. And I wouldn't have had that had I not taken that out. So just learning that you can love and still have some boundaries in place. Shonda, hold up, hold up, guys. Guys, listen, listen, this is what we'll do. We'll, we'll end here. It's a couple other questions, but I'd rather get you out of here on time. Let me just give you a quick, um, I guess, focus of prayer <clears throat> for the rest of the week. Uh, our fast has ended today. 
Uh, we've been, I don't know if you guys have read the email, but we've been praying specifically for open doors with, um, with, uh, for, for a larger facility and wisdom just on how to do that. I think what's happening is our, we're doing three services and, um, you know, the church thrives and functions off of you and off of volunteers. And, uh, sometimes, uh, three services just, it's a lot. And so, um, to keep up with what we believe the Lord is doing here, we just need, we almost feel like we are a, a plant that is trying to grow in a really small flower pot. And that's, that's how it feels. And I thank you guys for your, for your grace. Uh, you guys bring your kids and you put them in, you know, our small kids rooms and uh, you come in here, even even praying. I saw some of y'all like hip to hip <laughs> with people. And so I, I get that. And I, I thank you for your grace um, and even for your generosity towards the towards uh, towards the capital campaign. I look forward to the day that I can say this is what it is. Um, but right now, just keep praying. Uh, certainly some doors that we were hoping to open didn't open and closed. And there's some other stuff that's kind of hanging by a thread. Uh, in terms of deals. So I'm, we're asking you guys to like really bombard heaven. If you could like every day, if you think about it, just ask God, you know, to open up those doors and knock down that wall that we talked about on Sunday. Be praying that because we serve a God that can and do it easy. And there's a reason he hasn't yet. And we want to we want to submit to him and we want to be patient and we want to and we want to we want to bask in the fact that the church can still be the church without a larger facility. I have friends in Africa right now that, that lost their building and they meet outside and the church has grown and the church is going deeper in community and, and they're, they're, they're loving one another. So I don't want to put too much stock, stock in that, but I do want in the, in the larger space, but I do believe that God, God is holding it for a certain reason. And when he releases it, we'll, we'll all rejoice. So I look forward to that day. So just join me in that prayer. Amen. Uh, Ty, can you pray us out? Father, just thank you. Um, thank you for this time of prayer, of worship, um, just even to hear uh, the cries out to you and the hallelujahs and the amens. Um, just encourage my soul uh, to see um, this place packed on a prayer and Bible study night. God, just uh, a glimpse of your faithfulness of how you're growing us and maturing us spiritually, um, that we love to hear from you, just not on Sundays, but on Wednesday. And may this prayer time, may it flow over into tomorrow and Friday and Saturday that we hunger and thirst for more of you. God, we don't want just um, what you can give us, how you can provide, but we want to know you intimately and deeply, Father. Um, just... Uh, pray for us as we seek you for more wisdom. Like, Lord, what does that look like? How do we practically apply that to our life? Forgive us for the ears that we were foolish. Um, forgive us for, um, even for some of us that continue to make foolish decisions because we feel trapped, um, because we don't know the way out. It seems scary and alone. Um, it seems overbearing. Um, Father, would you give us strength to make hard decisions? Would you give us strength to say no? Would you give us strength to trust that you love us? Yeah. Would you give us strength to love ourselves, Father? Um, would you give us strength to just trust you when it looks unbearable? Father, when the enemy speaks to us and tell us just stay, 
just make the decision again. It's okay. No one's looking. With the spirit that dwells in us, stand up and proclaim Jesus. Stand on your word to be true. And we trust you, Father. So give us wisdom in areas that we lack, whether it's with school, with work, with parenting, with our spouse, with that job, with that career, um, with our business, with that vision that you've laid on our heart, Father, will we trust you to see it through. We thank you for Chick-fil-A tonight. <laughs> we thank you for those that fasted and even talking to some that fasted for the first time. Um, shout out to them for trusting you and seeing you in a different way. Um, for we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. May we cling to you and your word and your scriptures. May we eat of it and be full. So, Father, be with us tonight as we go home. Give us travel and mercies. Give us good rest. Uh, give us a good remainder of the week. Um, Stress-free. Um, filling your spirit and your love. Pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.